And joining us for further analysis on what's playing itself out on that market scene is Gary Boyson from Rance. Was Gary, always a pleasure and a good afternoon to you. Afternoon. Thank you for having me on. Wonderful, Gary. Uh, red screens on the local boards today, a little bit more upbeat in Europe. I think here at home, we have uh, it's quite a big day, I think, uh, with the U.S. Fed and our own finance minister. What exactly are markets trying to take stock of this afternoon? I think, uh, you know, a lot of people trading water ahead of that Fed announcement this evening. Uh, you know, overwhelmingly, the expectation is that there's going to be no change in interest rates. If you look at Fed funds futures, we're at uh, a 99.7% chance that uh, the Fed remains unchanged. Uh, but uh, obviously, it's going to come down to what Jerome Powell has to say after the meeting. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see everyone trying to work out, uh, you know, when we'll see either the final uh, interest rate increase, or hopefully, or, uh, or a potential cut. Uh, I generally look out to the, to the March meeting, uh, you know, and, and try and get the probabilities there. So uh, we're looking at about 7.4% chance that we'll see interest rates 25 basis points lower in the US uh, by March next year, and about a 30% chance that we'll see uh, interest rates one, one notch higher, so, so 25 basis points uh, up from, from, from current levels. So uh, that pricing has been moving around a lot into this meeting. Uh, so we'll, you know, obviously a lot, a lot to play for there. And then, as you mentioned at the top of the show, we've got, uh, you know, obviously the, the medium-term budget policy statement out this afternoon, which is going to be uh, critical. Uh, you know, obviously, commodity prices have come down significantly, so the fiscal is under a little bit more pressure. Uh, and I think uh, a very, very difficult um, picture that's going to be painted. And uh, you know, I, certainly, I think traders on the sideline looking, looking, uh, you know, maybe how, how how markets are going to react to to the to the speech. So, uh, yeah, currently the the rand dollar exchange rate trading around uh, 18.72. That's a little bit firmer than we've seen recently. So we've been kind of trading. Uh, Fairly tight range between uh, call it uh, 1880, 1890, all the way up to about 1950. Uh, so it looks like we're starting to to break out of the bottom of that uh, that sideways channel. Uh, but yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot, two two big announcements both for for the rand side of the pair and for the dollar side of the pair in the next uh, in the next eight or nine hours. So yeah, I think every everyone's sitting on the sideline. Uh, we're still seeing Brent crude oil also uh, improving a little bit. So we're down to about uh, 86 dollars a barrel there. I think uh, tensions in the Middle East, uh, you know, s still there. Definitely, but the idea of a wider conflict, uh, you know, receding and, and that helping helping oil prices, uh, gold prices pulled back a little bit, maybe a little bit of risk on sentiment just creeping back in. So we we off that uh, two thousand dollar an ounce handle, and uh, also U.S. Treasury yields also behaving uh, back below that uh, the ten yield, but back below the five percent level, so sitting at four point nine percent currently. So yeah, it just feels like the the market has taken this. Deep breath in, and we're waiting to see what happens. And uh, and uh, and you know, this isn't the end of the week. We've still got non-farm payrolls on Friday as well. So very busy in the midst of an earnings season. Got the likes of Apple reporting on Thursday, which is, is going to be a key a key number. So yeah, lots lots to watch this week, and and everyone, uh, I suppose, just uh, positioning ahead of uh, ahead of all the the, the news flow. I must ask you, just uh, sticking with the U.S. a little bit, uh, you know, we are seeing uh, a labor market that is still very hot. Uh, we're seeing a very strong growth. Uh, the last GDP print was really strong there. Are we still convinced that there'll be a recession of sorts in the U.S.? And is this something that the Fed uh, needs to be considering? I think the, you know, you've, you've heard Jerome Powell say that uh, it's against the historical record, but uh, yeah, and it's, it's not actually the committee's uh, view, but it's his view that we could potentially see the U.S. Uh, not moving into recession and inflation uh, coming under control. Many economists, I think, scratching their head and saying, "But wait a minute, it's through the recessionary conditions that we get inflation under control. So how's it going to work that inflation comes under control without seeing a recession?" Uh, you know, if you look at the markets, you know, it, it's the, the, the general index. Level 
level is is perhaps a, a little bit misleading this year. So if you go and look at something like the S&P 500, uh, you know, with a nice positive move, uh, most of that heavy lifting has been done by the magnificent, what they're calling the magnificent seven. So it's, it's the big the big tech stocks. And it's really fueled by the excitement around artificial intelligence and, and, and the potential applications going forward. And I suppose a little bit of the, the expectations that we'll see lower interest rates, which has also helped to lift the, the tech stocks off the lows. But if you strip out that magnificent seven and you look at what the, the broader market has done, uh, it's we, we are the, the market is predicting a recession in the US. So when when or if we get a recession, remember US kind of follows different rules to the rest of the world. The rest of the world, if we have two consecutive quarters of, of negative growth, uh, they, we call it a recession. In the US, they can have two quarters of negative growth and uh, the Bureau of Economic Research has to say, yes, and it's a recession. And they take they take things like uh, the, the overall unemployment rate into account as well. So the US kind of following its own rules on when it's officially a recession. But uh, I think I think the idea that we're going to see, you know, uh, we've already seen financial conditions, uh, you know, uh, becoming more difficult in the U.S., but the idea that you're going to see the, the economic numbers starting to deteriorate is, is what the market wants to see. We want to see, uh, you know, jobs numbers getting worse in the U.S. At the moment, the, the, the non-farm payroll number is expected, unemployment is expected to remain around that 3.8% level uh, this print, but we want to see it getting worse. We want to see GDP starting to fall. And, you know, if you've been following the earnings season, looking specifically at the U.S. banks, for example, uh, the banks aren't seeing a, a lift in, 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 in credit defaults. What they're seeing is a, a significant reduction in, in savings balances from U.S. customers. So the U.S. consumer is still very, very strong and, and, and still spending, um, but reduce it, but, but savings balances have reduced. So you're starting to see that the system showing some cracks, but it's, it's, I think, taking a, a little bit longer than many people uh, suspected. So yes, the U.S. is still very, very strong. Uh, should we panic if we see the U.S. going into recession or the economic numbers, uh, you know, becoming worse? I, I don't I don't think so. You know, markets are a fantastic leading indicator of economic activity. Uh, you know, the, the market is a prediction mechanism, and, and you know we we have the fool's game of trying to predict the prediction mechanism. So, it's um, yeah, I, I wouldn't worry looking at, uh, at at economic data whether that is going to have a, a significant impact on financial markets. I think right now what financial markets want to see is economic conditions tighten. Very interesting, uh, Gary. There, I'd like to get your stock pick in a GIF, but first, I'd like us to reflect on counters that have found favor with your industry peers. Sibanya Stillwater is my stock pick. As I said, I think the company is, is at a great price now uh, for entry. They are well diversified, great management, and I think they're, they're going to address all the issues around the dead levels and new acquisitions. So, I think uh, we are for Sibanya. I've been tooting this one for a bit now. I'm picking uh, TFG, South African retailer. They out with results uh, in the middle of November. This will be their first half results. We think these are going to be trough earnings for the business. Um, we are expecting softer uh, UK and Australian numbers, but we want to see some efficiency gains coming out of their recent jet and tapestry acquisitions. We think that um, their earnings will grow low double digits from here, plus you get a 4% dividend yield. And we think that the market will start to, to re-rate the South African retailer stocks as we head into an environment with lower load shedding. Um, like South African GDP growth is going to look interesting compared to countries that are in recession. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think that uh, there's going to be a, a nice little uh, kicker from a re-rating in TFG as well. Visa, um, they reported their quarter three numbers um, last week uh, and continue to uh, uh, they beat expectations top line bottom line uh, but it's one of those quality growth companies that although it's done so well this year i think yeah. it can still continue to to do well 
the number of transactions they, they put through on a quarterly basis, on an annual basis, keeps growing up. Their volumes keep picking up. They're, uh, they're benefiting from the increased travel uh, around, um, around the world. Mm. So those numbers have been growing sort of 20% um, plus. Um, so I think it ticks all the boxes uh, for a good long-term quality growth investment. All right, Gary, we have Sibanya Stillwater, TFG and Visa. Keen to get your thoughts on some of these counters. Okay, <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I think TFG, so we'll maybe start with TFG. Mm. Uh, of course, when, you, when you've got a company like TFG, you know, interest rates are going to be key. key. Where you are on the interest rate cycle is, is key to how the share price is going to perform. Uh, you know, obviously, the South African consumer looking very different to the, the US consumer. And, and you can see that reflected in the share price performance. So, I mean, significantly underperforming the, 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 the JSE All Share Index over the last five years. Uh, you know, we're looking at it at down 26% over five years versus the All Share Index up, up 36 so a big differential there. And I think what you're playing there is, uh, you know, as the commentator was saying, a recovery in, in earnings and revenue. So we've got, uh, you know, you might get that double digit uh, earnings growth maybe two years out. So I think two and three years out, uh, that, that looks reasonable. Uh, I think part of that would, would be the expectation that the South Africa gets a little bit of relief from the Reserve Bank and a little bit more money in our pockets that we can go and spend at uh, the likes of Jet and Fashini, et cetera. But, uh, but yeah, I think difficult environment, yes. Um, and, and you'd look at, look at for a share price lift based on uh, it's certainly a recovery in earnings. Uh, Slovenia Stillwater also, you know, kind of trying to, I suppose, be a little bit counter-cyclical there. Um, you know, the share price has been under incredible pressure in recent times, uh, largely because of the, the underlying commodities that it's involved in. Uh, you know, when you get a, a big sell-off in, in PGM metals, uh, you know, it's going to feed straight into the, the underlying earnings of the company. Um, you know, obviously diversifying into battery metals and I think uh, investing for the future. Um, but you've, uh, you've got to see a lift in commodity prices for the counter to perform. And, uh, and that, that's going to be absolutely key. You know, as a, as a, a commodity player, the, the stock is going to be very, very volatile. Uh, and Visa, I mean, I can't, I can't fault the pick on Visa. Visa's a, you know, a significant holding in our, in our global equity portfolios as well. Uh, it largely tracks uh, S&P 500, but uh, with a little, a little bit ahead of the S&P 500 as well. So, so it does a little bit better over time. But I mean, absolutely fantastic business. They've, they've put all the, the, uh, the spending into the infrastructure. And now investors really, uh, you know, just benefit from VisaNet and, uh, you know, their slice of billions of uh, transactions uh, daily. So it's difficult to find a company with, with as earnings as high quality as Visa. And, uh, and, and I mean, Visa's margins are just incredible. So definitely uh, as a longer term stock pick, totally integrated into the global financial system uh, and difficult to see, you know, how a MasterCard uh, or, or you, which is the you kind of second in payment size or, or other competitors are really going to compete, you know, whenever, you know, a really interesting fintech player comes out or even, you know, I suppose cryptocurrency might have been a big threat to something like Visa in the past. Uh, Visa has the, the budget and the balance sheet just to get involved in that sector and either buy out their competitors or, um, or, or you know, innovate themselves. And, and I mean, obviously, it was very prevalent in the crypto markets uh, while, while they were, were running. So, yeah, I think fantastic business and, and definitely worth having in a, a, a well-diversified offshore portfolio. And which counter are you going with today? Gary. So I'm going to go, okay, so it's, a, it's not really a counter, so okay. it's a, an investment that we're looking at. We, we are actually um, closing applications on the 3rd of uh, November. So we're going with a triple index auto call. Uh, so what does that mean and why are we doing it? So essentially what you're doing is you're, you're 
betting on three indices. So in this case, the, the NASDAQ, uh, the Eurostox and the Nikkei uh, being positive, all three of them being positive at some point in the next five years on semi-annual observations. What do you get? So, so every six months, we're going to look at it. And if the three indices are positive, we're going to pay you out a return. Now, that return at the moment is sitting at 14% in US dollars per year. It's a fully offshore investment. And I think we like uh, we like our chances on that. Um, you know, if you look at uh, the, the NASDAQ, obviously, Magnificent Seven doing a lot of heavy lifting, a lot of exciting uh, businesses within in the tech space uh, in the US. Uh, if you look at the Euro stocks, very, very cheap index um, with some very interesting businesses inside there, the likes of Nova Nordisk, LVMH, etc. Um, but generally, because of the pricing in the, in the Euro stocks, uh, it's very easy to see the Euro stocks being positive over the next five years. Uh, and finally, the, the Nikkei. The Nikkei, obviously, with the yield curve control policy, with demographics, etc. We we're expecting a weakening in the yen. Uh, we, it's been our base case for most of the year. That should lift uh, the index in yen terms. And as long as the index is positive in yen terms, we get our payout. And if you're looking at a 14% uh, US dollar payout, uh, well ahead of what the S&P 500 does on average. And uh, if you're looking at, you know, if you're looking at, at markets that you expect to maybe be sideways or not deliver a high return over the next five years, um, 14% per annum. Uh, you know, if you if you add that together and yeah, we've just we've just closed uh, a similar auto call over the last three years, and you're looking at investors at that stage. We had a 16% coupon. I mean, investors uh, getting a significant three-year return in a market that has essentially been sideways. Yeah. Uh, all of this obviously gets rolled in with uh, a nice 35% capital protection. So even if uh, one of the indices is down, as long as it's le- down less than 35% over the next five years, you get all your money back. So I think a nice uh, medium risk product for for clients. Uh, yeah going forward. Very fascinating stuff, Gary. Thank you so much for your time this afternoon. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. That was your Midday Markets Update with Gary Boyson from Rand Swiss.